cliffcentral.com. Yes, indeed. Uh, cliffcentral.com on a uh, Thursday morning, and it's time for us to check in on the burning platform this morning. I'm delighted to bring you two people who've been requested as guests for about, oh, I don't know, the last two and a half months at very least. Um, I've had a, a thousand emails, probably more comments on social media about, please, these two are two of the people that we really need to hear from. And I'll tell you who they are in a moment because a lot of people are going to be very satisfied that they managed to coax me into this. I also wanted to hear from these two people because so much has changed since the last time we spoke to both of them. And we've spoken to them about various things, political, things COVID-related, things socially uh, far more interesting to some than others, uh, the economy, the world. There's plenty to get into. Pumi Mashiko is, of course, here this morning. Pumi and uh, I are there on the burning platform for you almost every week to just make sure that we yeah, touch base with some of the most important stuff that's happening in the world and hopefully give you some um, free-range opinion. And you can obviously throw yours in, too, in the comments. We want to hear from you this morning. Let us know what's going on. It is time for the burning platform. So let me introduce the first of our two guests this morning. Uh, it is someone who is well-known to us. At cliffcentral.com. Uh, he's a social commentator, not like um, Bulelo, who calls himself a cultural commentator, but he's also somebody who's a returning champion, Dumo Denga, a libertarian, host of the Man Patriot podcast, and somebody who is well known to our audience. So, Dumo, always nice to see you. And uh, am I allowed to say Happy New Year? Or are you also very peculiar and particular about people not saying that after a certain date? You don't mind? No, I don't mind at all. Um, compliments of the season to everyone. <laughs> Thank you, man. Nice uh, to see you. Season. Yes, nice to see you guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm always great to be here and looking forward to having a great discussion. Awesome. The other guest this morning, the other, uh, the other commentator who we're pleased to hear from is Dr. Jonathan Witt, uh, one of those people on the internet with more strong opinions than many can handle. Uh, he's, uh, he's constantly pushing the envelope. He's giving people feedback where they need it, whether they like it or not. And, uh, it's good to see you, Jonathan. Nice to have you on the show this morning. How have you been? Oh. We, we, Jonathan, we can't hear you for some reason. I don't know if you're on mute. You're on mute. Unmute yourself. It's what a way to start the new year. Good. I'm um, great. Thank you. Morning, Gareth. And, Good. Uh, morning, Zuma. And uh, to the woman on top, of course, or the woman above. But I'm not <laughs> the sure. woman above. That's um, right. Uh, <laughs> maybe she was the woman on top during December. I don't, you know, Gareth, don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, guys, let's just start off with something I've assiduously tried to avoid, but it has become the thing that everybody spoke about at family gatherings over the holidays and continues to be something that fills our headlines. It's something the mainstream media are obsessive about. Um, and I think I'm going to get into trouble for this. I think this pandemic has been over for a couple of months now. I'm going to let you go first, Jonathan. You're a doctor as well as being someone who's very opinionated on this subject. Am I, am I within my rights to say that Omicron is the final death knell and we can now finally move on with our lives? Or is that far too optimistic of you? Yeah, I mean, we'd like to believe that it's the end. Um, one would think that it would be because uh, normally this is the natural evolution of uh, viruses, um, certainly respiratory viruses. They uh, tend to uh, infect people. They tend to be more deadly and less infectious as they start out and then become more infectious and less deadly as they go through um, to the end of their sort of phase. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I was on your show um, last year a couple of times, but but at the, the beginning of last year, the end of the previous year, but just before Joe Biden came into power, and I said, pandemic's over because right. uh, Biden can't afford it. Now, I was right about one of those things. It wasn't over, but he couldn't afford it. Um, so, so, you know, it should be over. Uh, it should already be over. There's no justification for our state of disaster, certainly. Um, you know, you can you can look at the numbers, uh, the, the the number of people dying of Omicron from the beginning of Omicron to now. So pretty much from before December. So since our Delta wave ended, has been below the number of people who die daily in this country from diseases like TB, the number mm -hmm. of children who die daily from things like diarrhea. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, we should have left this behind long ago. The people who uh, have uh, psychiatric illnesses from being terrified for two years by the media um, obviously are going to have a problem with this probably for the rest of their lives. Um, but uh, it's over. What do you think, Duma? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, 
the the pandemic uh, has been um, problematic, but I think yeah, with regards to the lockdowns and the state of disaster, it pretty much needs to end. I mean, if you look at the stats with regards to um, the the amounts of recoveries and the deaths and so forth, I mean, our recovery rate now right now is a percentage of total cases recorded is at about ninety three percent, and if you want to, and that and that recovery rate could actually go up to actually 98% when you look at it from a perspective of closed cases. Mm -hmm. So the reality is that this virus um, has caused some damage, but many people have recovered. And also the lockdowns, I mean, were unnecessary, in my opinion, because it it caused so much social damage. And, you know, um, there was, and you talk about social damage, there were people that suffered from, um, you know, Interpersonal, you know, uh, what do you call it, gender-based I, violence and so forth, and, and iso- isolation. Like so, I mean, we, we we haven't even begun to ca- to yeah. count the cost of things like that, right? Exactly, exactly. And then there were people that missed uh, treatments that would have been alive today, but they died because they missed it, and so forth. So I think uh, we're starting. I think what I see is that look, the government can't really manage a pandemic of this nature. Um, the virus will take its course. Yes, we can have our own precautions from a personal level, mm. but when you try to manage it the same way the government tried to do it now, it's 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 very problematic because at the time um, when this thing started, everyone just thought, yeah, it'll be just be two weeks, but you know now it's been over uh, two years and well, it's getting close to two years. Sorry, and now six hundred fifty-seven um, days to 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 what to, to flatten the curve. To flatten the know, curve. So, so Pumi, Pumi, I mean, listen, Jonathan and Dumo and Pumi, uh, you you guys are all I've I've had you all on the podcast before, and we've discussed this a number of times. Some people may be bored with talking about this, but there is also an evolution in all of us. Uh, in terms of our position on this from the from the get-go, no one has been 100% right from the very beginning. I think in the beginning it made sense for us to all be cautious, to make careful decisions because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But with the benefit of hindsight now, and this is where you all three have to do something which I know you're not in love with doing. Nobody is. No human being likes to do this. Are there things that you got completely wrong that you now look back on and you go, ugh, okay, I, I, I got this right, I got that right, I got that right. This I was completely wrong about. And just like politicians never admit their mistakes because it costs them at the ballot box, are there things that we can all admit, I know there are for me, that we got wrong, that with the benefit of hindsight, you can now go back and say, all right, I screwed that up, but I'm going to be humble enough to say that was a mistake. This is where I could have made a better decision. Pumi, do you want to start off? Because I know like you've you've been on the show with me almost every single week and a lot has changed. We've discovered so much mm. more about the virus. We've discovered so much more about the reactions to the virus. So I think firstly, you you, you guys aren't the only ones that are saying that the pandemic is over. I mean, over for the past two days now, almost all the news coming out from everywhere, you know, everyone's reporting that with Omicron, the the virus kind of has pushed it out of the pandemic status and it's coming out of Europe. It's coming out of every, everyone is now reporting that, yes. that because as, as Jonathan says, and this is the life cycle, right? It's the life cycle of viruses. But when I think about where we started and where we are, I, I was always cautious. Um, the, and the best thing for me was the fact that I just got to stay home. <laughs> I didn't have to go shopping as much. I didn't have to do a whole lot of things, but I'm lucky. I'm lucky because I have, I have access yeah. to uh, all of those things. Remember, even at the beginning, Gareth, we spoke a lot about this and the fact that, I mean, I hated homeschooling, but I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to have my child over there far away from me and on a device <laughs> with teachers and, and, and. And, and I could carry on working from where I was. So I mean, when it comes to me and that experience, I was able to relatively carry on. Although I do think that the worst thing that has happened to South Africa is working from home because we just don't have, we don't have the tools for it. We're not geared up for it. We no. don't have the management style for it. So basically, like South Africans just kind of stopped working. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you you can Everything see you can of... see it in our economy. We've we've suffered enormously from the effects of the lockdown, probably more than we did from the effects of the pandemic. 
And and it's not just the public sector. I think we very unfairly kind of go, oh yeah, people in the public sector are lazy, they don't work, blah, blah, blah. but actually even in the private sector, I mm. know many people who have mm. business that has now taken eight months to get through a system that would normally have taken two weeks. Yeah. It has, it, it's just, it's been a nightmare. Oh, well, we're un- we're we definitely- undeni- it's, it's, there is no contra- con- controversy in saying that we are undeniably worse off financially in South Africa than we've probably ever been uh, thanks to this this pandemic in large part but it's also been an, a convenient excuse for many people and what we have learned is something Duma referred to a little bit earlier on and that is that governments can't fight pandemics you know and there's still governments in the world that are trying by the way but Jonathan how about you need... how about you what did yeah, you what, what do you think you got wrong well not much, Gareth. Um, sorry, I'm going to be a bit arrogant here, but uh, the reality is is that I've faced two years um, almost of uh, being shouted down, of literal persecution. I've had people go after my job, after my career, um, after my qualifications, after my registration as a doctor, um, for saying things that the CDC is now admitting, yeah. um, for saying things that Fauci is now admitting. Um, you know, for saying things that the U.S. and U.K. government yesterday admitted um, that the lab leak is the most likely place um, from where this virus came, for example. The one thing I did get wrong, um, which my detractors love to point out, is I posted a reply to someone in February, early February of 2020, um, when the virus was just sort of starting to roll out. Bearing in mind, this was before WHO declared a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and it was when Nancy Pelosi was still calling people racist if they didn't go to Chinatown and celebrate the Chinese yeah, New I Year. That, yeah. um, they, they, um, I posted a tweet that I thought that the uh, virus would sort of spread but plateau quite quickly within a few weeks um, and then basically disappear. Um, now, the reason behind that is a, is a couple of things. Firstly, we've had multiple of these sort of scares before, um, which have done exactly that. I'm not sure if anyone remembers Zika virus, not mm-hmm. a respiratory virus, but but um, but Zika virus was meant to shut down the Olympic Games. Um, H1N1, the, the swine flu, was meant to end the world in 2008-9, but they couldn't have that happening to Barack Obama as he had just taken office. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of politics behind this. And the truth is, is, you know, you say things like, well, we've learned um, that we can't do this. We haven't learned anything. In 2019, the WHO had a report on, in fact, an entire document which advised all governments globally on how to respond to a pandemic. And that document said very simple things. Never lock down a population. Never make a population wear masks. Um, don't do don't close schools um, make sure make sure children are as unaffected as possible these are these were some of the guidelines from the WHO in 2019 and up until the end of 2019 in 2020 when this happened that all changed nobody knows why that happened there's speculation obviously the lab leak now seems very likely in fact that this virus came out of the Wuhan yeah. lab being funded by gain-of-function testing which has been shown to be true by Rand Paul in his cross-questioning of Anthony Fauci in Congress and um, you know the Chinese then dictated who had put um, Tedros the head of the WHO into power and they then dictated how this was going to be and everyone hopefully remembers that the Chinese released propaganda videos of people literally just walking in the street and then suddenly collapsing and dying and then hazmat uh, people dressed in hazmat suits walking up to them and prodding them with sticks um, being spread all over the world and everyone suddenly panicking two specific images coming out of Italy, one of some body bags never confirmed to be from COVID, um, and then one of an ICU that, from my perspective, having worked in ICUs, didn't look to be that severe, And uh, but that was spread all over the world on CNN, on Loop. Um, and so they started with the fear and they started with the terror. Um, and there's a lot of things that, that sort of came um, to unite us in a way. You know, the media was dying. The, the mainstream media was dying, still is. Mm. But what was happening is their numbers were at an all-time low. Um, Trump was about to go out of office. You can see how this has affected CNN. They basically have no viewers, sub a million viewers on most of their shows. Right. Um, and and suddenly everyone was in fear, and the idea of people staying home was wonderful. I mean, that's done amazing things for the likes of the news organizations, for the likes of Netflix, well, it, 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 it kept them alive for a little while longer, but their, their mm. projected outcome is still fairly pessimistic. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, I think I think you know there were a number of there were a number of predictions. There's still things we're doing wrong today that I, I said, and you know, as I said, some things are slowly coming out. Other things will come in time. Uh, one of them is I'm COVID positive. If you test positive, but are inverted commas asymptomatic, mm. we don't do that for any other disease. You don't go and get an HIV test that comes back positive, and you say I have AIDS. That's not how this works. SARS-CoV-2 is the virus that causes the COVID the disease. If you are asymptomatic and you test positive, then you may have SARS-CoV-2 in your body in some way. And I've explained yeah. on your show how you might not actually be infected. But the point is, is that's a positive test for a virus. It's not a positive test for a disease. And when we start eventually pulling ourselves away from that link of saying we're COVID positive, and doctors do this as well, um, you're COVID positive immediately of having a test, um, we, we hopefully will start moving away from some of the hysteria. The CDC has, in fact, come out and admitted that a positive test does not mean you're positive. Yeah. Uh, I said that in uh, November oh, listen, 2020. Uh, the CDC have gone from don't wear masks to wear masks to don't wear masks. Uh, you know, and again, yes. nobody, nobody got, and now it's don't no, wear masks, nobody got this really 100% right. I do want to go to one other aspect of this, which I think is worth mentioning, and then we've got to move on because I do think people are like totally coveted out. But you brought this up, uh, Jonathan, and, and I know that Dumo has some strong opinions on this too. The, the idea that people who were speculating quite rationally about some of the things going on, that these people presented a threat to public health and that they were deemed misinformants or that they were deemed agents of disinformation. This has been with the benefit again of a, of a couple of months of things changing and some hindsight, this has been a very, very poor position for people to take up, whether they're authority positions, in authority positions, whether they're people who run the social media networks, whether it's the news media in general with fact checkers and all that. These people have really done a terrible job of establishing any kind of credibility and of, of reinforcing the, 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 the trust we have in our institutions, frankly, by telling people that they're misinforming or that they're disinforming and by putting COVID checks on anything. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but suddenly on social media in the last two weeks, everything's changed because now if you post jokes or memes about COVID, that little warning isn't coming up. It's just suddenly as if everyone's decided, oh, okay, uh, we got to change the narrative on this, which is suspicious. You know, a lot of conspiracy theorists, in inverted commas, have been proven to be right. And some of the most credible news networks and agencies that we should be believing, because they're the ones who supposedly have the institutional trust in them, have been completely discredited. It, is, it has been a very big learning curve and a very fast learning curve for us over the last few months. Your comments on that, Dumo, and, and then Pumi, you've got some questions. Right. Um, yeah, um, with regards to um, the fact checkers and so forth, um, these individuals, in my opinion, um, they've taken the position to be the arbiters of truth. And guess what? They, you know, they didn't tell the truth, or at least they didn't tell, it, tell us everything. And um, whenever someone said something, they um, would shut them down because they felt that um, the effects or the social effects of it would be undesirable, even though what, that, what was being said was actually truthful. And now this is actually starting to unravel and people are starting to lose trust i mean we've seen like they used um these um one-liners and conversation enders such as you know trust the science i believe the science or um i'm following the science and so forth mm -hmm. and i think over time people have just become numb to this now and whenever they hear something of this nature even though si the scientific method has um its its value um they just um don't want to hear more about it because hey they lost their jobs and stuff like that and they're forced to wear masks and and some of them they they may even have to have vaccine mandates and so forth but i think at the, at the end of the day um these these fact checkers have just lost their credibility just because people can simply go on the internet and check the facts for themselves and say, well, why didn't you mention the recovery rate? You're always talking about the deaths and the yeah. cases, but what about the recovery rate? It's that's it's because of that. And I think now people are just going to do their own research, even though um, these fact checkers say, don't do your own research, follow the science. <laughs> what do you say to that, Pums? <laughs> Look, I think the, the only thing that... I, and it's not a comment. It's it's not a question, just a comment. I'm waiting to see what happens next. 
right? I'm waiting to see what will happen next with our uh, command council mm. and uh, with state of disaster. I'm waiting to see what comes out of our president in the next, if we're going to have a family meeting anytime soon. I mean, I don't even well, know what level we're on now. Well, I don't even know what level of <laughs> anything. Nobody, I, I, nobody I don't knows. know. And, and, and the nice thing about being in South Africa is nobody cares. Nobody cares about what level we're on anymore. You, you walk around, people are putting on masks because they realize they're not going to be allowed into shops. But otherwise, nobody's interested in this thing anymore. So that's, I mean, that's the thing that's fascinating for me to watch as i see on tv i mean all the new year celebrations all over the world people were like out out in their numbers people were at the gatherings people were having fun i want to refer to something you just said now pums and and it made me think um governments all over the world and political leaders and and politicians who were maybe standing for re-election and that kind of thing the incentive structures for these people are so bad that they will do whatever gets them the votes and whatever makes them popular. I mean, case in point, you mentioned New Year. So Cyril, on New Year's Eve, decides the curfew's gone. He didn't do that because the the scientists suddenly came in with new information. He did that because he knew it was going to cost him in a party where he's already losing and where the party's losing and where they've just come out of a pretty awful election for themselves. He realized that the ordinary citizen in this country is going to be like, Screw you. First of all, it's not going to be policeable, if that's a word. Shame, man. It was terrible for Begitzele. He was so amped up. He was so ready for it all. He was so ready for it all. And then it just like within a couple of hours, everything was gone. I mean, and I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. What, I, poor Cyril. To Cyril. bring it back into the South African context, Gareth, um, you know, you talk about the National Command Council. Cyril didn't do that with any evidence. He actually did. I mean, in the real sense of the word, and we've had a problem with the distortion of words over the last 20 years. Um, but in, in the real sense of the word progressive, our MAC, our Medical Advisory Committee, actually released one of the most progressive medical advisories in the mm-hmm. world about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it basically said that um, our entire approach has failed. And that contact tracing doesn't work, which we knew once you get to a point where you overwhelm your resources to do so, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't work. Um, they also admitted that this is mainly aerosol spread, which means uh, social distancing, those um, perspex screens, uh, masks, you know, most of the stuff is, is basically just theater. Um, so they, they, they did all of this. They gave that through to the Department of Health. The Department of Health actually then reacted to it and said, right, so we're going to stop all of this stuff and we're going to, um, you know, take away the 10-day quarantine if you've been around someone with COVID, if you have no symptoms, continue your life. Um, it was a very progressive approach. It wasn't perfect, certainly, um, but it was a very progressive approach. Approach. It was medically uh, scientific. So um, are, you saying, are you saying we finally got to a point where we were sensible? No, well, we did. And then what happened was a number of journalists went nuts and they published um, a whole bunch of articles and pressured government. And about a week later, government came out and said, we are pausing the advisory and the change to our guidelines because of the media concerns we have received. So we, this is tail wagging the dog kind of stuff. We have idiots who couldn't basically get high enough marks to be anything better than a journalist <laughs> dictating the lives of hundreds of thousands and millions of South Africans. And, you know, something just to, just to point out in the South African context, um, you know, the, the laptop class here love to say, well, I, I was at home and I worked from home. It's great. I like my house. And, and you know, I watched a bit of Netflix and I spent more time with my kids. Um, great. Great for you. That's your experience as one of the middle class, one of probably about 10 to 12 million people in this country. And that's wonderful you had that experience. But the reality is that the majority of people in this country who aren't on the other side in Stellenbosch on a wine farm, but are at the bottom end of things, they had a horrible experience. Yeah. They've lost their jobs now, and Pum, they haven't Pum, got Pum, them back. Pumi did say, like, we, we're lucky if we can say that stuff. She did say that in her opening comments. No, no, no it's not a criticism on Pumi. It's a, it's a point that this we are, we are the lap, out there. We're the laptop um, class, and, these four people and, and on your you screen know, right now. And I also, <laughs> yeah, sure, but I also want to point out that like, I spend and have spent my entire work career working majoritarily with the lower class of this country. 
And I don't mean that in a condescending fashion. I've worked with the poor my entire career. And so, you know, I, I have an exposure that the average person walking into an office in Santon Monday to Friday mm. and spending their weekends having briars with their friends doesn't get. And I, I have been astonished at the complete lack of compassion and empathy um, being shown by people who have the, 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 the loud hailers because the people who are the poorest in this country do not have access to write columns in News 24. And yeah. so the perspective being reported on is we're saving you from a virus. Well, you condemn many people to poverty and you condemn more people to late diagnosis of cancer, as we're seeing from stats in the UK. You think that's different right. for South Africa? It's not. I, 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 I do hear you. And I think we've, we've kind of, without you know, embellishing this any further, I, I think that the media mm. do have an enormous responsibility to bear and they will pay the price because they're going to lose audience over time that will figure itself out there are market dynamics that will come into play and those people who do things like pressure the government from a media point of view with the tail wagging the dog there will be a cost for them in the long run don't worry about them i want to move on to some other stuff because pumi wants to bring up lindiwe sisulu but before we get into that do any of you believe that that poor homeless man that they arrested in Cape Town is responsible for setting fire to Parliament. I, I'm asking, I'm asking everybody this. His name is Zandile Mafe. Do you think that that man on his own set fire to our Parliament? And and what do you reckon, like in a in a very concise way, might have gone down there? Pums, what do you think? So I I, I really don't know what to think about that story, other than the fact that I'm astonished at the efficiency of what happened there. So Mm. within a couple of hours, right, this man was arrested. He was charged. He was standing in front of of a judge. And I was just like, this is incredible. This is incredible. Today, Mm -hmm. we are 10 days after the Zondo report has come out. 10 days. No one's been charged. (laughs) Millions and millions, millions. I mean, over the, the numbers, and I have the numbers for you, I'll share them with you later. The number of documents that are evidence, hard evidence of what happened, of fraud, of mm-hmm. tax evasion, of theft, of lying, of misrepresentation, all of that, names, dates, the, 10 days later, Crickets. not a single person is standing in the dock not a single person has been charged not a single person has been i'm i'm just i'm like wow wow Mm -hmm. it's astounding for me so on the one hand you have a man who what we all saw was by all accounts like confused doesn't know what's happened the man is in front of a judge charged the state machinery has swooped down on him Mm -hmm. And here on the other side, billions of rands of taxpayer money has been squandered and stolen. The evidence is there. The documentary evidence is there. This is not hearsay. This is not some kind of like investigation that still needs to go down. Not a one. Not a one. Absolutely. So like... Uh, Dumo, your your comments on this poor, this this poor guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, Pumi, I just see people nodding on the screen, and I'm I see that in the comments too. What do you say, Dumo? Um, yeah, um, look, look, and look. You know, we live in a world where anything can happen. So I just said, look, um, it, it it may be possible that he did it, but it just looks highly unlikely. You know, just given. Um, the, as, as what Pumi said, the efficiency of how this person got charged and how soon they found him and everything like that. Hmm. I, I feel that, um, there is, um, you know, to, um, you know, translate directly from Zulu, you know, something is hitting the water basically. So, um, <laughs> the, 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 something's fishy. There's just, it, it just doesn't seem, um, correct in my opinion. So, um, we'll have to see, um, and I know Dalum, I think Dalum Porf is defending him as well. So it also the adds advocate. more to the theater. Well, that's the not very good for him. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gareth. I know, I know you've got a hey, thing, but my not, not the greatest advocate we have. All right. So, so Jonathan, you, you just, you also seem incredulous when Pumi was talking. You well, were. I mean, I, of course, went to KGB training camp with that guy. So, you know, I know him well. Um, when we were learning special explosives and arms, I, you know, he was top of his class. Um, 
No, I mean, you know, I think what, what, what's happened is our government's very interesting. Um, they, they sort of sometimes want to please um, and they kind of realize what will please, but they don't have the competence to carry that out. So you have, um, you know, the July riots, for example, that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, n- nobody kind of gets is responsible for anything there, even though there's a claim of, you know, insurrection, which was yeah. nonsense. But yeah. but but regardless, no one sort of gets arrested. And then they say, no, we've arrested sort of 10 or 12 people, but we we have no idea who these people are. And everyone's like, oh, come on, stop bullshitting us. So then parliament fire happens and they go, you know what? People really like it when you when you find out who's responsible. <laughs> Let's find someone, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened. Um, you know, and once the guy was arrested, the the. The, the rock was sort of rolling down the hill and it, it was it was almost unstoppable. I think Dali and Porfu even will be able to get this guy off relatively easily. Um, but, but uh, and, you know, we'll make a mockery of the state again. But the reality is, is that Pumi is 100% right. Uh, you know, we've had this, this, this NPA ready for years now, uh, probably more than a decade, um, which has, through multiple uh, public pro- uh, uh, prosecutors, you know, head, heads of the NPA, who've not uh, acted in any way. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the truth about justice in the country. It's not, a, it's not really, I'm not convinced most people believe there is justice. Um, we do see it taking place occasionally. You know, if some guy murders his family with an axe, he goes to prison. Um, but if some guy murders the entire economy with an axe, nothing happens to him. Yeah. No, the bigger your crime in this country, the, the likelier you are to get away with it. Um, let's just talk about Lindiwe Sisula and her comments and, and, and what she's been up to this week. Pumi, this is something that you wanted to, to, to bring into the conversation. Uh, go ahead and sketch, <laughs> sketch the scenario for those people who are not as well informed. And I think by now, everybody has heard something about what Lindiwe... So she wrote this article, open opinion piece in the Sunday papers, uh-huh. And when I read it, I was just like, whoa, what's happening? Is this like a public (laughs) resignation letter? Is Lindy Wessisulu resigning? What did she she say? Because she was very critical of the ANC, and most people know just that as the top line. No, she was not critical of the ANC. She was critical of the Constitution. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was critical of the Constitution Mm -hmm. and the judiciary. And... But like explicitly so. So that's why I was kind of like, okay, so is she <laughs> resigning? Is this her saying I'm resigning? And I'm obviously she's like firing a salvo at, at Cyril and saying I'm throwing my hat in here. I'm going to run for presidency. As we know, I told you guys this year is mm-hmm. going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic. There's like an, an electoral, <laughs> <laughs> there's elections happening in the yeah. ANC in December. So yes. we're going to see everything happening. We're, we're <clears> going to see <throat> like the slow meltdown of this party over the next 11 months. So she's obviously firing a missile and it's got a return address. But, but also in kind of saying, is, is this, she calls the constitution a neoliberal document that is like what that is out of touch with the reality of the poor people what the fuck uh, this yeah. woman to, to get her I mean, job she has to swear, to get her job she has to swear on the constitution to uphold right. the constitution right right so to get her job actually this like swearing to uphold the constitution she's been doing since she was 40 years old yeah. she became an mp when she was 40 years old in nelson mandela's government mm-hmm. like all these years but all these just, years let, there was just, no problem for her let's and, just also like you know and take, her salary you got to take it from whence it comes my top line comment on this is that first of all the only reason that we even know Lindiwe Sisulu exists is because of her surname. She has not been a competent minister in any way, shape or form. And listen, the standards are pretty low in our country for ministers, but she's never really excelled. She's been in a number of different portfolios. She's never really blown anyone's lights out. She's been proffered as a candidate for X, Y and Z. Deputy president was mentioned a couple of times. President's been mentioned. She's just quite an unimpressive human being. And I think this is maybe just a desperate last cry for attention and like please take me seriously somebody recognize me for more than just being a sisulu and i don't think it's worked <laughs> look everybody's talking about her now mm, but not in a not necessarily in a very positive or useful light i mean 
far as I can well, tell. Well, what she also has effectively said is she's also kind of like gone, she's going to be, she, she's going to fly the, the flag for the RET faction within yeah. the ANC. Well, That's luck. what she's saying. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I, I, I want to raise a point about this RET nonsense. Um, you know, th- th- this, this, uh, there's sort of this back and forth feedback that goes on between um, the, the political parties and the mainstream media. And it's not really um, consistent with anything that's happening on the ground with most people. Um, so RET, for example, is meant to be all these people who want to have radical economic transformation and they want to go about this process by um, a whole bunch of things like repossessing farms, for example, without compensation. Um, okay. Um, great. Um, if that's the principle and the concept, um, and then they float the idea, and then some people get angry, and some people get get happy, and and you know get clicks for the media, so they like it. And then obviously there's some support, so some of the politicians run with it because it'll it'll get them more support, etc. But the reality is is that the entire ANC is a red faction, if you want to be honest. The the reality is is look at our economy. We have radically economically transformed this economy from a successful one in the early 2000s to a failing economy now, Hmm. to a country that may not make it another 10 years from an economic perspective. Um, Cyril Ramaphosa is ret himself. No one has done more to ret our economy than Cyril Ramaphosa. Between his reaction to COVID and killing jobs, to the way he approaches re, uh, um, compens- um, uh, the farm expropriation, yeah. um, expropriation without compensation. Thank you. Um, he's and we all know that Cyril has ideology. Unlike Jacob Zuma, who was a thief, is a thief. Cyril is a thief with ideology. That is far, far, far more dangerous. Cyril is a communist at the end of the day. I'm tired of everyone pretending like this isn't a fact. This is where he comes from. This is what he is. This is what he believes. The man quotes Marx. Can we just accept that this man is incredibly dangerous because he wants to steal the money just like every other politician, but he wants to do it while implementing Marxist-type policies? This is what is so dangerous about him. And frankly, if you offered me Didi Mapuza or Lindiwe Sisulu or a number of these other people over Cyril, I'm taking them. In fact, I'm taking Zuma over Cyril right now (laughs) for a very simple reason. Jacob Zuma will steal billions of rands from this country every year, but he will not implement policy which grinds the economy to a halt because he understands that makes it more difficult for him to steal those billions. Cyril Ramaphosa doesn't care. He will steal, but he will also throw um, cogs, uh, you know, spokes into the cogs of the economy because he believes in the Marxist project. Dumo, you, you're nodding uh, very enthusiastically, uh, and you talk about this on your podcast a lot too. What do you think of, first of all, Pumi's comments on Nindiwe Sisulu, which we haven't given you a chance to, uh, to, re- to reflect on, and then what Jonathan's just said about Cyril? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think with, uh, Sisulu's comments, uh, I think it, it serves two purposes. I think the first one is, you know, she, it's, it's seek attention, let everyone know that, listen, we are going to, I'm going to, you know, try compete for the presidency. And the second one, I think also is to try to protect the ANC. I think what she was trying to do in that, uh, with that letter was try to like get everybody kind of angry again because, um, you know, the Zonda report has been released. Now we have to take, um, the attention off the party, um, because it's, it's, it's pointless for her to say that I'm going to run for the presidency, but she doesn't like to defend the party. So then she questions the constitution and all of that type of stuff and then makes a lot of contradictions along the way. So I think, um, those are the two purposes that it's served. And it's similar to what the CCP does when the economy goes bad. They start to blame, you know, the United States and everything like that and they push their propaganda. So that's exactly what, um, she was trying to do. Um, and then I think with regards to, uh, uh, Ramaphosa, yeah, Ramaphosa, um, has ideology and he, he said on many occasions that, um, he will actually support, um, uh, what do you call it? expropriation of land without compensation? And what? And there's this plan that they have. I forgot now. Um, it's not called the New Dawn. It just left me now. But oh, it's the 2030. That's that's uh, that, um, yes. I forgot <laughs> the name. Why could plan. I? It just it just escaped me now. Plan. 
Well, it's, no, it's not the NDP. It's, it's it's something more long term than that. Um, I don't where believe, they want I don't the, believe the party that. to control. They've come the up with another plan. I don't think there's anyone who's <laughs> planning anything further than the problem yesterday. is nobody reads the national development plan. If you yeah. read the, the the actual <laughs> documents behind it, written by Rob Davies, who is a died in the world communist, yeah, um, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It 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 looks it reads like something from Soviet Russia. Um, mm. it, it, you know, well, Rob this, Davies. This is the kind Rob of Davies, with, with all due respect, uh, Rob Davies looks like something from Soviet Russia. So, but he has mm. power inside yeah. the ANC. That's the problem. He he, he writes right. a lot of their policy. So, so to, to just Duma, to finish your point, because you, you you hadn't finished making your point about Cyril. What, what are your feelings about this RET faction and what Jonathan <laughs> said and what Pumi's thrown in there as well? Yeah, I, I think, I think, um, the, the ANC has a long-term plan. You know, they want to turn South Africa into a communist state, but they want to do it slowly. So I think, um, Ramaphosa, um, wants to be some sort of catalyst towards that. And already, as I said before, he has, um, you know, expressed his commitment to that plan. So I think, um, ultimately he's going to try push it as much as he can. And he said it on many occasions as well that he, that he is loyal to the ANC and, you know, he puts the ANC first. So definitely, I think the whole ANC really Pumi. is, 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 is RET. So you'll be pleased to know, though, that mm-hmm. it, with, with Lindy, we're throwing her hat there in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, um, on Saturday was the ANC's, like, big grand gesture that they have every year of the birthday celebration. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, there was the rare occasion of Cyril Ramaphosa actually taking questions from the media. It was a little like media. It, it was spectacular to watch, especially because one of the journalists did ask Cyril um, about a second term. And guess what? Cyril expressed his shock at this question. <laughs> <laughs> of him going for a second term and what that might be like. It was, it was vintage Cyril. You know, vintage Cyril. Again, guys, this, there seems to be no feedback loop within the ANC except from within the ANC. So in other words, it's like the, the NEC talk to the NEC. They don't ever go outside. They don't ever seem to have any meaningful research done. They're always shocked, not just the president, but everyone like Jesse Duarte is always shocked. You know, they're always horrified at like when people don't turn out in their droves in the elections for them and when their popularity keeps slipping. No one seems to be in a position to give them any feedback. And despite what Jonathan and Dumo say about, you know, the, 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 the economy and how they've ruined it and how they continue to have plans which are completely unrealistic for the future of the country, the numbers keep slipping for them. Uh, is there any opportunity for the ANC to right the ship. Pumi, you've answered this before, so I'm not going to ask you again because you're probably tired of saying you say it's over for them. Uh, but if you guys also agree with Pumi, what's next? Like, what's going to happen next? We've got uh, the, these local municipal elections just behind us, which was only two and a half months ago. Let's not forget. What what comes next? What can we look forward to this year? What What can we be afraid of this year? What should we be worried about? Sure. There's a lot to be worried about, in my view. Um, you know, the, the, the problem is we're coming out of an economic slump, which uh, arguably is global. It's not uh, South African and it's not only caused by us, although we could have behaved differently. Yeah. Um, hyperinflation is probably coming um, and that's going to hurt uh, everyone, but it's going to hurt us really badly. Um, if you look at the number of people already battling to pay their bills um, and you look at the number of people in debt, um, that's going to cause major, major problems. And, and, and you know, this, uh, there is precedent for this. 98, 99, uh, round about there, we had uh, interest rates uh, approaching 20% in this country. Now, if you have a car loan or a bond, um, consider if your monthly payments, interest payments um, double. Um, from where they are now, yeah. um, can you afford that? Um, the reality is, is so we're, we're going to have a number of a number of issues. However, there's also uh, going to be some positive stuff because as we get through COVID now, um, you'd see everything opening up. So there are going to be increases in job numbers, and there are going to be increases in tourism money, and there is going to be all of that, which will make the ANC look a little bit good for a while. And I, I don't know how close that comes to the next election. Um, but it may very well um, do that. You've seen the rebound in America, for example, in, in, in jobs. 
um, not completely, but but um, in 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 the millions there. Um, so I think I think that's going to happen. Um, that is obviously not under the ANC's control. That's just going to happen naturally. Um, I, no, I don't think the ANC can necessarily save itself. But you know, we go back to these election problems, which is whether people um, see an alternative and think the alternative is viable or not. Mm. Um, I'm not particularly buoyed by what happened in the last elections. I know other people are. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't think we saw anything great. Um, and and I, there is a lot of worry for the future. Um, uh, Duma, your comments on this? Yeah, um, this year is going to be a very interesting one. I still stand by the position that uh, the ANC needs to break up the tripartite alliance. I think that uh, um, if the ship is sinking, you know, SACP, Kosatu, and everyone there, please go your own way. Um, that'll definitely assist um, the ANC in that regard. Um, I don't know if it will ever happen, um, but Probably not. I think at some point it should, um, to just for to just for their own benefit. But yeah, I think um, this year, um, I think uh, we are uh, we are going to see probably uh, interest rates hikes for all repo rates hikes from the Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are not going to be taking out money or lending or lending as much, or not lending, but rather borrowing as much. Um, so it's going to change um, some consumer behavior. So um, that may be the positive from that. But at the same time, people who have currently who have debts, they go, they yeah, may experience some issues horrible. as well. Yeah, so you know, so, I it's mean, a mixed bag of goods. Even with the ANC kind of losing ground as they did in the last elections, that's still going to happen. But you know, I, I I always say this is that unfortunately for a lot of people, they look out there and they don't see viable alternatives. Hmm. And I'm very sad to see what's happened in the past couple of days. Um, at actually saying, mm-hmm. so straight out the gates. There's already trouble in paradise, you know, so going, they're supposed to be getting ready for 2024 and already there's the kind of like a little bit of factionalism, you know, Makosi Koza has been asked to step down, um, asked to step down or, you know, because first she came out to say she will be stepping down because of her duties at the Etequini Metro. Uh, And then out comes a statement from the party saying, actually, no, she's been asked to step down. <laughs> so already, you know, it's like, hmm, like guys. And this is, this, this for me is, is one of the things that then is always a worry. You know, we talk yeah. about all of the, the various little things. One of the reasons, and what that does is it means less people show up. Less people show up for the elections because they see nobody that they can vote for and they don't want to give their vote to the ANC. And democracy, unfortunately, is the will of the many who vote. Yeah. And again, you know, this so, is... So, Pums, um, because we're running out of time, I just, I, I'd, I'd like to just quickly move on to the state capture report because it is the central news story. And we would be remiss, even though there's lots of other stuff. I want don't to... give me a chance. Yeah, no, no. But if I, if I don't, I mean, like Dumo and, and Jonathan, we could have talked about America. We could talk about China. We could talk about <laughs> Boris Johnson, who's on the ropes at the moment. There's a lot we could cover. But I do feel like in South Africa at the moment, like the state capture report is the big news. It was the first part of it's been released now. Uh, Pums, you've got some numbers and you've got some, some information there. Just set the story up for us and then we can maybe throw in one last comment each. Okay, so this is the is part one. So it's a it's a trilogy hmm. that's coming your way. It's a lot like the Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> you, you, it's, and part one is what's come out. And part one is is not a small document. Hey, it's over eight hundred pages of document. <laughs> but but if you consider that over the four hundred days that the commission sat and listened to evidence, they have a total of one. Million seven hundred and thirty-one, one hundred and six pages of documentary evidence. That is the evidence I'm saying to you, Shamila Badoi and her minions. That's the stuff that they should be like getting, pulling apart, and writing the, the writing charge the charge sheets, sheets. Yeah. writing the charge sheets, because the the, the just reading this first page, this first uh, session. 
as unbelievable the kind of stuff that's in there and i think one of the things that and i've been doing a lot of reading of this document and kind of cross-referencing and looking at at what other countries have done mm -hmm. we're not the first ones guys to have a commission of this nature we we're always seeing kind of in the u.s on c-span when they have all of their commissions and listening to their commissions the difference is that what that da does that the NPA is not doing, is they're not taking this evidence and sitting down and and constructing a case that they can take to court and win. That's what they need to be constructing, cases that they can take to court and win. Mm -hmm. They've got the evidence. It's all been there, but there is no will. Yeah. I told you guys this when Shamila Badoi came on board. There is no will in her office and i know she's going to come out and say listen i don't have i don't have capacity the npa has been gutted i need more time bullshit it's political will that she needs to to try these cases and it doesn't have to be i think she, needs, she just needs to be fired we've given this woman so much time and so much rope and she's just been it's kind of like when we had the trc i think that this is just bullshit. you know it's kind of the this is a little bit like when we had the trc not everybody went to jail not everybody went to jail, but some big fish went to jail. Yeah. You know, some big fish kind right. of were. And, and there was there was a sense that something mm -hmm. is happening, something has happened. That's what we need here. We need to see action. We need to see action. Jonathan, what, what do you say? What do you say about this uh, state capture report? Look, I, I don't think anything will happen. I mean, obviously, they were always going to find that there was – it wasn't – Sure, they've got the evidence, as Pumi points out. But the, the reality is, is that we all knew this was going on already. Um, one of the world's best airlines was run into the ground by Dudumieni. That was an obvious fact. You could see it happening in front of your eyes. I think there's, I think there's something more complex going on. Um, so in the South African context, there's a cultural issue. So even if we had a government change today, you know, even if you put uh, Action SA or the DA or whoever into power, um, we've got a we've got a, a cultural issue going on in this country in the way we do things. Um, so let's take um, this example and use the state capture at, at the same time. So the way tenders work in this country is completely abnormal um, to running any kind of proper system or any kind of country. The state capture report may be useful to some people as as bedtime reading. Uh, but the reality is, is that all that that did was it was another way to create tenders. So it cost a billion rand to put that little sham on. Um, it cost a billion rand. What does that mean? Why did it cost a billion rand? Well, it didn't cost a billion rand to pay uh, Judge Zondo um, or any of the people taking notes or asking questions. Um, and that doesn't include the legal fees, by the way. Um, so that's it's more than a billion. What that billion was was rental of the um, space. It was rental of the people doing the sound and the lights. It was rental of the people doing the catering. Now, when you start understanding this and you understand that only certain people get to do those things for these specific events that are created, you understand the economic relationship that has been set up between the government and its service providers and only specific people and specific service providers. And that culture is not going to disappear. The second culture that is a problem is a global culture, one of a lack of accountability. Mm -hmm. We are now admitting two years in that we've made major mistakes with the global pandemic, which many of which we shouldn't have made. We're admitting that in South Africa, we've made major mistakes in the government. There are people who have made major errors. Mm -hmm. And none of these people, for the most part, are going to go down. They may pick a fall guy here or there. But the reality is, is the world suffers from a lack of accountability. Nobody ever falls on their sword anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and if they refuse to fall on their sword, nobody has their head chopped off. And until we fix these fundamental problems in our behavior, both in South Africa and globally, nothing will get better. Because unfortunately, humans are creatures of consequence. And yeah. until there are consequences for bad actions, nothing changes and nothing improves and evil thrives. Dumo, you get the last word. The state capture report? Well, I'm glad it's, uh, well, the first part has been released. Uh, um, I'm going to enjoy reading a bit of it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't You think, are the um, only one. You and Pumi are the only two who are actually going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
just to see what's happening. You know, we need some entertainment once in a while, right? Mm. And um, I, I think uh, ultimately, um, I don't think charges will be made. I could be wrong on that. Um, I mean, people will be arrested. Something's going to happen. But ultimately, you know, the cycle's going to keep on going, you know. Um, as Jonathan mentioned, the tenders are just going to keep on um, being made and stuff, and people are still going to benefit. So I think ultimately this is just another, you know, an, another saga that will just keep us occupied for a while, and then hmm. the next one's going to come up. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. You've uh, really uh, made me feel very optimistic. I, I came into this year with all kinds of energy, and now uh, thanks to uh, you three, I'm 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 ready to to slit my wrists. <laughs> No, but the energy, you know what, the energy that you have coming into this year is exactly what we need. We need, Gareth, there are 60 million South Africans. If we had 60 million South Africans with exactly that kind of energy to do something and change something. Okay, so let's minus 400 people in Parliament, minus the 65 <laughs> people at the NEC. So, But what I'm saying, okay, let's just on the balance of it. If we just like took 2 million Southerners. Right. Okay. You don't need a majority, actually. You just need a very, very With, motivated minority. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we can, we still we can make things the happen. energy. Oh, and look. the reason why, the reason why these conversations are important is the more people know, the more angry we can be and use that anger to change things. That's well, why we have this conversation. Uh, next, next week, Thursday, I'm, I'm in Cape Town and I'm talking to a bunch of, of really smart financial, you know, whiz kids. These are like people who move around enormous amounts of money. And I've been asked to tell them why I think South Africa is still a really, really rich and interesting place and why they've got to watch it carefully, even if they don't necessarily put as much money into it as they might have in more politically stable or economically foreseeable times. And my, my take on this is quite simple. Like during lockdown, South Africa has been one of the very best places to be if you have means, mm -hmm. right? And I still look at this and my own experience has obviously colored this enormously. But I do think when you look at number one, how you could pretty much in this country do anything you want without worrying about it. It's the wild west, right? And that goes for starting a little spaza shop, uh, starting a little confectionery stand on the side of the road, selling stuff in a, in a stall in the middle of Joburg. Nobody's followed the rules. In the townships, we've seen an enormous amount of productivity and of ingenuity and of in industry coming out of people during the most difficult of times when everyone is being squeezed. And Jonathan, you mentioned you know, this idea that poor people have suffered the most, and that's absolutely true. But mostly also in this country, Nobody's cared what the government has done. Nobody cared what their rules were. People carried on with their lives. We are the, probably the best example, because I don't think the U.S. is this anymore, of an actual free market system, even if it's only the cash economy that, that you know, goes beneath the covers, um, even if it's only the cash economy that big corporations can't participate in necessarily. Ordinary South Africans, because they're still alive, like the majority of us, somehow we made it through, even if we had very little at the beginning of this. Somehow that resilience is just, it's mega, man. I mean, I can't believe the number of people who've actually got things going and been keeping things going during the, the last two years. It's been phenomenal to see the, the levels of industry and, and genius that have come up by people who've been pressured by stupid rules, by fear, by the media, by irrational decision-making, by an economy that is geared to actually work against entrepreneurs, and yet they've come up. There's got to be something to that. There's got to be a reason that we look to ourselves and we find ourselves extraordinarily resourceful and resilient. I think it's a positive story, and I have to remember that in those moments where we look at politicians and we look at the, the world and we look at the economy, and we feel down because we think we're being put upon. I think we're okay. I actually think we're damn fine. Would you rather be in Australia right now? Would you rather be in, in, in the UK right now? No, thank you. Resourceful and resilient. That's who South Africans are. We just have to have that energy. We just have to keep the energy up and not give up. And stop looking for a savior. Sure. It's not going to happen. You are it. 100%. And that's why stop treating the government as your parent. Mm. You're 100% right. Yeah, there's lots to be positive about. But it's what I've been always saying is there's lots of to be positive about as an individual. 
You can do anything almost you, that you want in the world as an individual. You do not need the government to help you. The government is a hindrance, not a harm. As Reagan said, the nine most um, uh, scary words. terrifying words in the English, in the English language um, uh, are uh, I'm here from the government. From the government. I'm here to help. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, right. so, you know, when we talk about the, these reports and we say things are bleak, yes, they're bleak from a government perspective. They're always going to be bleak from a government perspective um, because governments, by their very nature, tend towards trying to gain more power over people. And to do that, they have to do quite nefarious and, and often bad things. Um, but the reality is, is, as an individual, if you basically spend your life understanding that the government is not there to help you um, and you need to get on with it yourself. Yeah, South Africans are incredibly industrious because that's what they had to do. You've got or, to do or we've had to do basically either, either since you, the formation of the state, right? Either you, don't, either you do that or you don't survive. It's that simple. So let's all survive this year. And if we can, we'll even maybe get beyond survival to thriving. Let's, let's see what's possible. I do believe in it. And I, I think that all three of you, despite the fact that you've been very realistic, some would say cynical, but very realistic this morning. Thank you for your time. Dumo Denga, great to see you. Jonathan Witt, awesome to have you on the show again. And Pumi Mashiko, thank you very much. Very good. See you next week, guys. Cheers. We'll be back next week for more of the burning platform cheers have a good thursday cliffcentral.com